0: Deuteronomy gives us the second commandment, both in its positive aspects and its negative aspects, what you ought to do in worship, what you ought not to do in worship, and then gives us rules for civil magistrates. Here now the reading of God's holy word, Deuteronomy chapter 16, starting at verse 1. Observe the month of Abib, and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God, For in the month of Abib, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of the land, or excuse me, out of Egypt by night. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of the flock and the herd and the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction, For thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. And there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in all thy coasts seven days, neither shall there anything of the flesh which thou sacrificest the first day at even remain all night until the morning. Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover within any of thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, but at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name in. There thou shalt sacrifice the Passover at even, at the going down of the sun, at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. And thou shalt roast and eat it in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And thou shalt turn in the morning and go unto thy tents. Six days thou shalt eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord thy God. Thou shalt do no work therein. Seven weeks shalt thou number unto thee. Begin to number the seven weeks from such times as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the corn." And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of a freewill offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God according as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite that is within thy gates and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are among you in the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to place his name there. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt, and thou shalt observe to do these statutes. Thou shalt observe the feast of tabernacles seven days, after that thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine, and thou shalt rejoice in thy feast, thou and thy son, and thy daughter, and thy manservant, and thy maidservant, and the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are within thy gates. Seven days shalt thou keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God, in the place which the Lord shall choose, because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase, and in all the works of thine hands. Therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God, in the place which he shall choose, in the feast of unleavened bread, and in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. Judges and officers shalt thou make thee in all thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Throughout thy tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. Thou shalt not rest judgment, thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift. For a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of the righteous. That which is altogether just shalt thou follow, that thou mayest live and inherit the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near unto the altar of the Lord thy God, which thou shalt make thee. Neither shalt thou set thee up an any image, which the Lord thy God hateth. And thus far the reading of God's holy word from Deuteronomy chapter 16. Here, verses 1 through 8, we have a repetition of the laws concerning the three yearly feasts, first being the Passover. Verse 2, he says, "...in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there." Now, we've talked about this before. There are certain laws in the Bible that are given to us as we reflect the image of God. These are called moral laws. And God expects all men everywhere at all time to observe these laws. There are some laws that are subject to God's will. He chooses it to be so. And therefore, if he says, go to this place, then you go to that place. If he says, now I want you to go over here, then you change your mind and go to the other place, because it's merely an aspect of what God chooses. In the worship of God, we have prayer. God expects all men at all times to call upon his name. We have the hearing of his word. Even Adam or Abraham heard God speaking in oracles. They had to hear the word of God. Meditating on what God has said, thinking about it and applying it to yourself. That's required. God says to keep a holy day, a Sabbath to the Lord. This is part of the Ten Commandments. The attitude of reverence for God. And yet there are certain things God appoints that are different over time. We have bread and wine. Did they have that in the Old Testament? Not in the same way. They had the Passover. They had circumcision. They had the place where they were to go. So God appointed different aspects of worship for them than he does for us. But in all times, we must do two things. One is we must prioritize the weightier matters of the law. Make sure that those moral laws are first in priority. And then, as God gives us his commandments, we must carefully observe those appointments of his will. We must listen to him. If he told us to go to a specific place, we must go to that place. And you see the difference in the New Testament. Jesus said, Not only in this place, but in every place, the Father will be worshipped by those who worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, notice why were they to worship God? Verse 3, God tells them, That thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. This is God's intention. This is the purpose for which he ordained his worship is that they may remember, he says, the very day you came out. I want you to remember this. What did Jesus say when he instituted the Lord's table? He said, this do in remembrance of me. I want you, he's saying to us, to remember me by these holy signs. This is what I want to stir up in your mind. And when we receive the sign of baptism, God wants us to remember Who is it that cleanses you from your sin? Who is it that sprinkled his blood upon you to cleanse you from all iniquities? It is Christ himself who sprinkles his blood upon us, and therefore we are cleansed. I will cleanse you, God says, and that's what baptism signifies. What about the Lord's table? That Christ broke his body, that he took upon himself the form of a servant, God in the flesh, and died for our sins. He wants to remind us. And that's what sacraments do. Christ loved me and gave himself for me, the Apostle Paul says. And we each can say that who believe in the Lord Jesus. Notice they had a solemn assembly to the Lord thy God, verse 8 tells us. And then he adds, thou shalt do no work. If you have a solemn assembly to God, you must not do work. And if you're not to do work, you should not be seeking your own pleasure either, should you? And this is what the Bible teaches us again and again. Days of assembly or days of church, as the Lord's day is, these are holy days to be devoted to God's worship, not to our own pleasures. Verses 9 through 12, we have the annual feast of Pentecost. Verse 11, thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, thou and thy son and thy daughter, thy maidservant, thy manservant, the Levite. The stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. That's a pretty big list, isn't it? You're to rejoice, he says, and to feast before God with all of these kinds of people. God's worship leads to our rejoicing. Some people kick at the worship of God as if it's boring and hard and difficult. When is it going to be over? When will the Sabbath be over? I want to sell my wine and corn, they used to say. No, God's worship is to be a joyful time, rejoicing in the Lord our God. And not just us, he says, but your entire household. Bring everyone with you. Let us then rejoice in God's worship. Let us draw others in our households and community with us, looking for their spiritual well-being as well as our own. Then he says, verse 12, Thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in Egypt. That's why you should observe this Feast of Pentecost, Because I redeemed you from bondage. God's holy religion then and the signs of it remind us of our misery, don't they? We used to live alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in us, through the hardening of our hearts. But what did God do? He rescued us. He saved us. He called us with a holy calling. And therefore we remember that in the signs and seals of his testament. Then we have the annual feast of tabernacles, verses 13 through 15. At the time of their harvest, they're to rejoice, he says, in verse 14, in their feast. Again, God's salvation leading to rejoicing. As they remember, when we were in the wilderness, we had tabernacles, not fixed dwellings. We dwelt in tents. So they would remind themselves every year that they had dwelt in tents. Then note verses 16 and 17, the general law concerning the people's attendance on these feasts. Now, if you were a man who had to go several days on foot or on a donkey or a camel, and you were to go all the males together down into one place, what would you think about for all the people you left behind? All the animals you left behind, what would be your concern? What would be this? Marauders, thieves, Aliens would come in and destroy. Even from your own nation, there might be thieves who would go out who won't go to worship anyways. So they'll be out seeking their own pleasure. Exodus thirty-four twenty-four says, Neither shall any man desire thy land when thou shalt go up to appear before the Lord thy God thrice in the year. In other words, God says, I will look after you if you do my will. Do you remember when the churches were locked down? When the governor said "No, no 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 you can't get together more than you know some arbitrary number let's say 10 people and if you get together you stay six feet apart and if you stay six feet apart wear your mask and if you wear your mask get the shot number two number three number four number five do you remember what he was saying be afraid don't do what god said what does god say do what i say and don't be afraid fear not he says trust in me Go down when I call you men to Jerusalem or wherever the place God would appoint. And God says, I will look after your little ones. I will look after your women. God is to be trusted. We are to do his will and trust him with the results. As Stonewall Jackson said, do your duty and leave the results to God. That is not our province. Verses 18 through 20, we have the institution of magistrates and a general rule for justice notice verse 18 the lord says that they were to appoint judges and officers judges are those who critique who find fault who point out wrongs that people have done an officer in this case is someone who teaches you the law a magistrate that's what that means a teacher of the law they instruct the people in the laws of god Schoolmasters, the Septuagint has in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Uh, grammar teachers, in other words, those who teach the basic elements of law to the people. God says, you are to make them for yourself, in verse 18. Thou shalt make thee in all thy gates. God addresses second person singular, thou, not All of you together collectively, but the single man, the moral acting agent, he says you are to appoint judges and officers. I note then this doctrine that magistrates and judges are to be elected by the people. This is a law of nature by which civil government grows out of self-government under God. Therefore, judges and magistrates are the creatures of the people, Hear me carefully. People are not the creatures of government. Governments are the creatures of people. We create government. We put in officers. They don't create us. They don't elect us to be people. I note then the second doctrine that magistrates and judges exist, first for the glory of God, and second for the sake of the people. We do not exist as sheep to be feed for our magistrates. That's not how God set this up. Who made judges? Who made magistrates? Who would make the king in Israel? The people would. Thou, he says, shalt make thee kings, judges, officers. We'll see the king in chapter 17, God willing, next week. Verse 18. These judges and magistrates and officers, he says, they are to judge with just judgment. Such as accords with God's law, not men's, and such which accords with the facts of the case. What actually happened? That's what you should judge. Which law applies to those deeds? Whatever I say, that's just judgment, the Lord says. Thou shalt not rest judgment. This isn't when you go take a nap. This is when you twist something. This word literally means to stretch out, to spread out, to pinch, to turn, to pervert, to incline, to bend, to bow. God's judgment, he says, must not be pinched or bowed to one way or the other. God's judgment must be perfectly and completely just. He says, thou shalt not respect persons. What is a person in Hebrew? It's the face of a man. That's literally what it says. Do not turn aside to the face. This one looks right. This one looks wrong. This one looks like me. This one does not. He says that has no place in justice. No acknowledgement or respect for physical features, national, racial, or family resemblances, God says, no, do not respect that. The Bible then, I note, does not recognize what we call social justice. Have you ever heard that term? Social justice. I will judge you by your group of people who are like you. If you're a man, you're an oppressor. If you're white, you're an oppressor. If you're black, you're downtrodden. If you're this, then you're that. Whatever it is, God says, you shall not respect persons. You shall not consider those physical attributes and say, well, I'll judge that person as innocent because after all, she is female. Therefore, she must be oppressed by the male. And I'll assume that all the problems in the marriage are to be pinned upon whom? The man, of course, the oppressor, duh. That's called social justice. God does not recognize it. In fact, in context, what is social justice? A perversion of the law, a twisting, a resting, a pinching, a turning on the rack and stretching out of God's law so that man can be a judge rather than obedient to God. God says, no twisting. This judgment... Of social justice makes man basically his genetics, his body. What does he look like? What is the color of his skin? How tall is he? What is his natural natural, uh, attribute in his body? And I'll judge him by that. What does God say man basically is? Knowledge, righteousness, holiness. That's basically what man is. He is a thinking creature with a will and affections and a body. Okay, but is he first and foremost his body? No, that's what animals are. First and foremost, a brute is his body. A man is his mind, his thoughts, the way he reflects who God is, the image of God. Let us beware then of such genetic or racial criteria for judgments, whether on the left wing of politics or the right wing of politics. God says no racial justice. Notice then God says concerning judges that they're not to receive gifts. Well, they can't have birthdays. Is that what it's saying? No. These are gifts by which you pay money so that the judge will favor your cause. Our legal system today is filled with gifts. If you have enough money and can hire the right attorney, it doesn't matter if you stabbed the woman and everybody knows it, you'll get off because you're Your arguments will be so great, you can buy a good judgment by buying the right sort of attorney. A gift doth blind the eyes of the foolish. Is that what it says? The wise, not the foolish. The wise who sit to judge, they can be blind too. The words or sentences of the righteous can be twisted and turned aside by a gift. Yes, that is true. God says, even the best among you are liable to temptation. There's no sinless man who walks upon the earth. That was a couple thousand years ago, our Lord Jesus Christ. And what did they do to him? Did they judge him justly? No, they condemned him without a cause, with false witnesses, total depravity we talk about. Man is completely and totally crooked in all of his faculties. Doesn't mean he's as bad as he could be. God is still merciful and makes us not go down to the pit of destruction during this life. But it does mean this. Even the best of men can be perverted by gifts. It can blind the eyes even of the wise. Even of the righteous the sentence will be turned aside. Let us then not trust in princes, nor rely upon the Son of Man. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth, Psalm 146 tells us. Don't trust in princes. Don't trust in judges. Don't trust in presidents. Trust in God. That which is altogether just, God says, thou shalt follow. Just, just, he says, shalt thou strenuously chase after. That's the idea. Run your hardest to catch up with justice, he's saying. Work hard, you judges, to be just in all things. Because if there is no justice, there is no society. If there is no justice, there is nothing but dogs and evil workers who will rule over us. Therefore... He says that which is altogether just. Why? What's his purpose? What is God's intention to restrict our freedom? No, he says this, that thou mayest live and inherit the land. What happens with injustice is you die and are dispossessed from your land. When injustice reigns, no one is safe. Everyone is in chaos and disorder. And so God has a purpose. I want you to have peace. I want you to have life. I want you to enjoy your goods and your good name and your marriage and your authority. I want you to, but here's the deal. You have to do what I say. That's what God says. That which is altogether just, just, only what is just, always what is just, and you will prosper. Do you see why our society is lacking in prosperity? Do you see why people do not feel safe when they go out at night? Why people feel like they have to lock their doors and have locks on their cars and all sorts of passwords for their computers and their phones. Why? Because men aren't punished. There's no justice. And so the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil, Solomon says. Pray then and work for a fullness of justice. God's law administered in each case in each part of our lives, whether civil, personal, family, or in the church, that God's rules would be observed, and that those who sit to judge would properly search out the cases, know the facts of the case, and know the law that applies to those facts, and apply them with diligence and speed. Then, verses 21 and 22, we have a warning against the groves and images. This is the negative part of the second commandment. The positive part is worship me as I say. The negative part is don't worship me if I don't tell you to do this. He says in verse 22, they they ought not to make an image which the Lord thy God hateth. Why is it that God hates images? What is it about them that offends him so much? Well, it is this. Man ought to worship God. God. An image is made by man and is therefore the creature of man. And when you worship your own creation, you're actually worshiping yourself. And you're worshiping in a downward direction when God says, lift your eyes to the heavens and praise the Lord your God. And an image says, no, 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 no. Lift your eyes or drop your eyes down to the filth and the mire of your creation. This is why God Hates images. This is why the New Testament does not make image worship okay. Now I can make an image of Jesus. I can make an image of the Holy Spirit. I can make an image of the saints and I can bow and burn incense to it. No, you can't. God hates images because they are competition. They must be destroyed. And thus far the explanation of Deuteronomy chapter 16